Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Uh, the rumors about my uh, resignation and retirement are greatly exaggerated. I am back. Um, as a matter of fact, I don't know who put that rumor out. It may have been the Davies. You know, they, they got here ahead of me uh, from the great uh, outback or the great upback, rather. And uh, we certainly, uh, I know I did. I missed you guys. And uh, with no connection, not being able to sit in on family church school, it was uh, somewhat disconcerting. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And we're ready to continue in what has been a considerable series. Brother David is on the healing, uh, healing, healing, healing. We saw in our first two lessons, Jesus as a healer. And then on last week, uh, uh, and uh, Brother Nedrick uh, should have brought to us uh, Jesus healing the uh, 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 demonic possessed person. And uh, so it's all been about, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, the week before. And then last week, uh, he should have uh, talked about uh, two guys, two apostles, two disciples by the name of Peter and John healing the lame man. This week, we're going to look at another healing. And it's an interesting one. It's one that could be labeled, this is this is for you, your time. This is your time. Our lesson is entitled, Ananias Heals Saul. Ananias. It's taken from Acts 9. And we're going to look at verses 10 through 20. Uh, Acts 9 is a very important uh, chapter in scripture in that it shows us, uh, it, it not only introduces us to a new man uh, in an old body uh, that would really become somebody in Christianity, uh, but there is a passage of scripture found here in this 10 through 20 that shows uh, the very power of God to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Heretofore, we've seen Jesus. Heretofore, we've seen the disciples, apostles healed, Brother Davies. But today, can somebody tell me who this Ananias is? I, I mean, it, it's it's like uh, it's like uh, searching uh, for someone greater than Jesus. In, in other words, you know, the song goes, I, I, I looked all over, couldn't find nobody. Went to the mountaintops, I went to the valley low, couldn't find nobody. I, somebody tell me about this guy, Ananias. Who is he? He's just an ordinary man. And it's interesting, the description of him. So as we delve into the lesson today, let's see how Jesus uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And uh, as a matter of fact, for those of you who still like my subtitles, I would uh, look at this as uh, when power meets potential. When power meets potential. Uh, Brother Bogan, I lead us to the throne of grace. Oh, Terry, uh, 
Terry, would you go over to Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and read for me verses one through eight. Isaiah six, one through eight. Brother Bogan's going to come and pray, and we'll get right into the lesson, the lesson, the lesson, the lesson. Brother Bogan. There are pivotal moments in history that 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 have happened in your lifetime that you know exactly where you were. Uh, that there are some on this line that can tell you on the day of 9-11, you knew exactly what you were doing uh, uh, at that where you were and what you were doing. Or, the day that the for some of us that that was this catastrophic failure of a rocket ship of a, a spaceship exploding in me we know exactly where we were because these are moments that changed us in history such is the case with our lesson today uh but it's from a different perspective. It shows us, uh, brother and sister Davis, how God uses ordinary people with his extraordinary power to do extraordinary things. It's not the power of the person. It's the power of the almighty God. As the lessons uh, preceding this lesson has shown that it was all about Jesus. And then last week, how he uses certain people and certain people may have titles, you know, but here is just an ordinary man that we're going to talk about today that was used mightily of God that literally changed Christian history. Y'all come with me. But first, before we do that, Brother Moton, I think it is, over in Isaiah 6, one through eight, he's going to read for us. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand the burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth <clears throat> and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Ah, ah. Isaiah knew the very moment 
that the Lord intervened in his life and he saw him and he marked that moment chronologically by saying in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. If Paul, and he has done it, and his past testimonies was to declare, what was the pivotal moment in your life? Paul would put it like this, on a day, on a dusty road, between Damascus and my destination, I saw the Lord after he put my eyes out. Because we find the Apostle Paul, Brother Bogan, on a road to Damascus. Paul, a Pharisee of all Pharisees who had uh, solicited the high priest himself to issue a warrant so that he could go out and personally jail and persecute Christians. His nostrils breathing fire and hatred. A man who knew not God. But something happened in chapter 9. In chapter 8, Paul was big and bad and murderous and thuggish. But in chapter 9, something is marked. It, it's an Isaiah experience. It's a it's an experience when Paul came face to face with Jesus the Christ. And when that happened, he found himself blind. And it matches his spiritual state. Because you see, Paul was spiritually blind. And on this road to Damascus, when he got knocked off his high horse in chapter nine, Sister Solis, he was blinded for a purpose. And that purpose was so that he could see the Lord. Oh, y'all, 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 y'all don't, don't know how powerful this is today. Because what happens is, is that it's really not about Paul right now. It's about a point in which God introduces a certain disciple, a, 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 a certain, uh, Brother Bogan, uh, unmike, unmike, and uh, I'd like for you to read uh, verses 10 and 11 for me uh, very quickly, because I want to show you the role that Ananias, I want to introduce you to this ordinary person. And? And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Very interesting here. We introduced to this guy named Ananias Deaconusum. And you know what? I, 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 I dare you, other than uh, verses 10 through 20, and one other place, uh, I think over in chapter 22, you won't hear any mention of this guy. And notice that it says that the Lord 
came to Ananias and that he said something and Ananias said, Brother Davis, here am I, Lord. Here am I. D does it ring uh, clear to you? Isn't that what Isaiah said? But, mm -hmm. but, but Isaiah goes through this experience, but Ananias, all we're told about him is that the Lord spoke to him in a vision and a gentle voice. And he says, here am I. He, it is a radical departure from his experience with Paul. He, 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 it is a violent altercation between him and Paul. God is trying to get Paul's attention. And so he has to use certain methods. But all he has to do is to speak softly in a vision to Ananias. And I, Ananias responds. God has to ask Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the prick? Ananias just simply says, here my Lord. What is it that you need? And here's, listen to what the Lord says. The Lord says, I want you to get up. I want you to go to a street, which is called straight. I want you to go to a certain house, which is the house of Judas. And I want you to meet a man whose name is Saul of Tarsus. And you will find him praying. Very specific. But yet when he talks to Paul, who would become the most prolific writer of the New Testament, he just simply says, go. Nothing specific. Paul asks, how do you want, what do you want me to do? Go. But here in a vision to Ananias, he is very specific because God has a plan and a purpose and it's very specific. In other words, God has a man that is blinded and needs ministering to both spiritually and physically. And he chose this certain man named Ananias. And he gives them very specific instructions. That's something for us. I, I dwell on this point, Deacon Newsom, because I one, one of the things, when you get alone and you get some time by yourself, uh, Sister Davis, and you know, you can, you know, people are off doing their thing, and you can just really reflect on who God is uh, uh, to you. The thing that is most uh, validating and confirming in my life is that God will always, whenever there's that tendency to say, Well, Lord, did, did you really mean this? Or uh, did, did you really say this? God will always say, what I say is the truth. And what I meant to say 
is what I said. I'm not going to tell you anything that I would not tell another Christian, another believer. Because to do so, to do so, would violate my truth. I am fed up with folk who use God to validate their actions in a disparaging way. If it's not in the word, God did not say it. And God is not going to tell Brother Davis to do one thing that's in his word and tell me to do something differently. They must agree. Because if they don't agree, somebody is lying. And I can tell you, it ain't God and it ain't me. Because I'm not going to say that God told me to say something that he didn't tell me to say or do something he didn't tell me to do. When God has a plan and a purpose, y'all hear me carefully. He gives you specificity. It ain't no, well, go in, go in, and, and there's a street. Uh, I, I don't know the name of the street, but go, go to the city. Uh, 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 there, there, there's some buildings there, but, but, but search all the buildings. Uh, 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 you'll find a man praying, Dif different area, but it's very important that he told him that. And that this man will know that you're sent by me because I talked to him in a vision. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Did you see how God talked to Paul and he talked to Ananias? Paul needs healing, spiritually and physically, Sister Lovelace. And God says, for one person, I got to be very specific. For the other one, I'll be very general. But they all aimed at the same purpose. He didn't say, go kill Paul. He didn't say Paul would kill you. He says, go there because there's ministry that needs to be done. I want y'all to get that. The next thing I want you to do is that God, whenever he gives you an assignment, he's got it laid out for you. Because remember, he says, you will find this Paul, this Saul, rather, of Tarsus praying. Now, everything that this Ananias ever knew about Saul was that Saul was a murderous thug who killed Christians, aided Christians. Why is he praying? Because he's been transformed. God is transforming him. God, God sees him differently than people see him because God is transforming him. And he needs ministering too. And he needs a certain man, a simple, ordinary man. According to the, the other passage in the scripture over in, uh, I think, uh, 2212, uh, Paul then says that Ananias was simply a law-loving Jew, a disciple, a learner, a follower of Christ. Nothing special. Wasn't no doctor. Uh, Ananias, wasn't no Bishop Ananias, wasn't no Elder Ananias, no Deacon Ananias, no Pastor Ananias. He was just Ananias, a disciple. 
And it shows us that God can use anybody by his power. If you just have the potential. Ananias had potential. God gave him power. And he was to minister to someone who had the potential. But had not yet received the power. Oh, y'all better help me this morning. Brother Bowman, help me out with another verse here. Verse 12 and 13. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Notice before you go, before you go any further, Brother Bowman, let me show you 13. Was what I didn't tell you before I had him start reading was that notice I, I'm talking about what, what somebody is told by God and what someone else is told by God. Notice how they're on the same plane here. Ananias has more specificity, but, but Paul gets the idea. There's going to be someone that's going to come. He's going to lay his hands on you and you are going to be healed. You, you didn't think that Paul wondered, who, who is this guy? Oh, is this some special potentate that's going to come? Oh, no, maybe it's, it's, it's the chairman. Is he going to come? Maybe it's the pastor. He's going to come. God told him exactly what he wanted them to know, but it coincided with what he had told Ananias. Notice there's no difference. God is not going to tell you one thing and tell me something else. Amen. It's all up to God. And so here he says, this man is coming and he's going to restore your sight. Verse 14. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Thank you, Brother Bogan. Thank you, Brother Bogan. All right. You're going to send me, Lord. I heard you in the soft, gentle, still voice. I heard all the specificity. But first of all, I think you were trying to belay my fears by saying that this man was praying. But Lord, just in case you have forgotten, I'm not saying that you have, but just in case you have forgotten, this is Saul. This is Saul. This is Saddam Hussein. This is Vladimir Putin. You want me to go fool with this? This, this man kills Christians. He doesn't entertain them. And the question has to be the reticency displayed by uh, uh, Ananias. I mean, y'all understand it. Oh, oh, I know some of y'all big, bad, and brave. You know, you know, Deacon Newsom would have put on his Superman suit. He'd run out there and say, yeah, I'm going to do it. But no, Deacon Sneed, here's what he would say. Lord, wait a minute. You sure you want me to Saul and not somebody else? <laughs> I know Saul's reputation. This man is no good. This man doesn't have nothing to do with Christians. And I heard you tell me, Lord, in that soft, gentle voice in the vision that this man was praying. Oh, he's a Pharisee. He's been praying, them, praying those little pitiful prayers all his life. He learned the pattern of prayer. But when notice one thing. When God is speaking to Ananias, 
He's telling Ananias, Paul is praying. He's praying now in the name of Jesus because he's had a Jesus experience. Ananias doesn't know that though. And so it takes this bit of conversation. It shows that God is dealing with an ordinary human being, Brother Bogan. He's yeah. talking about people in the family church school class. Here, I'm talking about this class. People in no title, people ne never uh, uh, preached a sermon, never did a lesson, never. They're just disciples. They're followers and learners of Christ. Mm -hmm. That when God empowers you, you can do with anybody does who has a title. Uh -huh. Y'all hear this. Y'all hear this this morning. Verse 14 says, and there and here, he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. He says, God, just in case you don't know, This guy has conspired in the past with the chief priests, someone who literally, they were enemies. I mean, the chief priest was a Sadducee. Paul was a Pharisee. But, but, but it's amazing how people who supposedly are at odds with one another, they can come together when it comes to persecuting the church, when it comes to belittling Christians, when it comes to obstructing people of faith, the oddest couples can get together. And Ananias is just reminding God that don't you know what this guy was or is? But God then look at what you are. God looks at what you can be. And the person who needs ministering to, God is looking at the potential. Ananias can't see the potential. He can only see the danger. But, but folk, I'm telling you, when you are endowed with power, you've got to move in that power so that the potential can be displayed. And it took Ananias, a man who had been given the power of God, given the specific instruction to go work with a potential leader in the uh, a Christian community. And Ananias is, re is hesitant. He's reluctant, but I understand why. He, he, he said, Lord, I, I love you. I'm one of your disciples. I just ain't ready to meet you right now. Paul is a killer. Paul is a thug. A Saul, rather. But the Lord, Brother Wogan, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for mm -hmm. he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and, the, and kings and the children of Israel. Once you submit yourself as a servant of the Lord and says, here am I, Lord, God will explain stuff to you. You, you, you know why we don't get explanations? We don't talk to God. We, we just go and grumble. You know, we got the assignment. The Lord, the Lord sending me down here to, uh, 
the, the help this guy saw. My life is in danger. God says, don't, don't go talk to Brother Bogan. Don't, don't talk to Kathleen Samuels. Hey, you know, talk to me. Tell me about your issues. What, what, what kind of uh, uh, trouble are you having with this assignment? Lord, I'm a little hesitant because Saul's reputation is that one that he kills Christians. He doesn't welcome them. And the Lord says to him, but go your way. For this is a chosen vessel. This is somebody I've chosen. You wouldn't have chosen. Paul would have been the last person in the world, y'all thought, would be the writer, the, the greater writer of the New Testament. Y'all would have thought, y'all would have never voted Paul to be your pastor. Because y'all don't see stuff like that. Y'all judge everything from the outside. What you can see. God judges also from what he can see, but God sees the inside and the outside. And so he tells Ananias, just go your way. If you'll just go do what I've asked you to do, because there's a, there's a purpose here for me calling you to do this. I need him ministered to, I need him healed because he's gonna be my voice to the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God is telling Ananias the potential of this powerless, pitiful, pathetic human being who needs him. And Ananias has been given the awesome task, this very ordinary man has been given the awesome task of bringing God's power to the potential of this pathetic creature. Y'all don't hear me. Uh, this, this is not only Paul's testimony. This is your testimony. Because I know some of y'all were large, in charge, on your way to hell, dressed well, doing well, but on your way to hell. And it took you getting knocked off your horse, blinded so that you could see. And there was somebody who just had a simple word that brought you healing and deliverance. God is your testimony too. And God is showing you that just let God use you. Listen careful to his instructions. Don't be distracted by the voices that are out there. Don't be distracted. Don't be held back or apprehended by your fears. God says, I got a purpose and a plan. I'm letting you in on a secret. This man is going to be somebody for the kingdom. This very thing, this very person that you think is nobody is really somebody. And for all those folk who thought, why this ordinary disciple? God says, that's how I operate. I take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. I take the pathetic and the impotent and make it powerful. And this is what I'm doing in the life of you and Paul today. I'm bringing these two, I'm bringing power to potential because I have a plan and the plan is perfect.
Brother Bogan, verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's telling him all of Paul's business. He's telling him stuff he ain't even told Paul yet. It's amazing, Brother Bogan, that I would stop on this particular passage of scripture just to show you guys that uh, your name may not ever be mentioned, but you may be responsible for witnessing, for sharing, for bringing into the kingdom, Sister Samuel, some of the greatest people that have ever lived and served in the kingdom of God. You, you, you think about the people that, 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 that may be even witness to you. They may not have been a preacher or a deacon. May have been someone in the cafeteria who was reading their Bible. You noticed it, went over, they shared. But yet, no one knows. And matter of fact, some of you may be even forgotten. And sometimes we don't even know because remember, we're just seed planters. We plant the seed, God does the water. So it's something that you could have said long time ago. People don't even remember your name. They never mention you again. Uh -huh. But God knows that you were the one that's responsible. But here he says, Ananias, this is what I want him to do. But guess what? It's going to be costly. And, I, and I've often wondered about this particular passage of scripture. Why? Why, why did he have to tell him that? Because it, there's no way in scripture where it, it appears that Ananias told Paul that. Only God repeated it to Paul. Because in years past, in years to come, rather, uh, Sister uh, Pillow, Ananias is probably thinking, Paul is in a Roman jail. Paul has been beaten. Oh, but you know what? The Lord said it would be costly. I set out on a task many years ago and I shared with a man, but God comforted me with the words that this is what's going to happen to him. It'll be costly. It'll be tough on him. That's more for Ananias. Because God will, if you just do what God says do, he's able to do many, abundantly more than you. And he'll even comfort you in the things that you got, in the difficult trials that you have. He's, he's got a word for you. Brother Bogan, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, uh -huh. brother, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Before I tell you what Ananias did, Sister Pillar, can I, do I have permission to tell him what he didn't do? Ananias didn't go there and say, hey, Saul, look here. My name is Ananias. I am a uh, healer, and I'm here to heal you. 
uh, I'm, I'm here to uh, set your eyes straight. Uh, I, I'm here to bring you deliverance. Uh, I'm here. Do, do y'all get the, the cadence there? I'm here. I'm here. And I just didn't do that. He says, the Lord. He says, Brother Saul, that tells Saul, see, because Saul can't see him. But he calls him brother. He can hear him. And he puts his hands on him. He touched him. Saul is put at ease. This is not somebody, his enemy, that has come to kill him. He's being reassured by the very voice and touch of this brother called Ananias. He laid his hand on him and he says, Jesus. Oh, Sister Lovelace, I didn't see you jump. You should have jumped. You normally jump when you hear that name. Because Jesus sent me. Jesus told me. The same Jesus that came to you is the same Jesus that came to me. He came to you for a different purpose. But he came to me. He came to me for the purpose of ministering to you so that you would be all that he has contemplated, considered, and will commission you to do. Somebody better help me this morning. He didn't go on there with his own credentials. You know why? Because first of all, he's an ordinary man. Because if he went there and said, I, I'm an apostle, he'd have been lying. If he just said, I'm a pastor, he would have been lying. I'm Ananias. The Jesus sent me. The same Jesus that knocked you off your high horse sent me. And he sent me for the purpose of that you might receive your sight. All right, Bogan. Receive your sight. But just to receive his sight, Paul would have been a still a thug. But he says, today, I'm going to touch your body so that you will be physically healed. But I'm laying hands on you so that Jesus the Christ can fill you with himself. That you will be totally be made whole. And he touched him. And he touched him. Verse 19, uh, 18, I'm sorry, 18 and 19. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forwith, and arose mm -hmm. and was baptized. And I, I, you know what was really interesting? It says immediately. He didn't pray no long prayer, no, hey, let's get seven days of this and, you know, bring in another band of folk. He did what he told him to do. Notice another thing, too. He didn't go get anybody else. You don't think there were any other disciples? You don't think there were any other church folk money in that city? That's your assignment. God has called you to do some specific things 
as an individual and you have to do them as an individual. You can't wait on the church. You can't wait on your Sunday school class. You can't wait on your small group. You can't wait on the ushers. You can't wait on the greeters. God has called you uh -huh. to do it. And so he does it. And immediately the scales, which is symbolizing sight being restored, the scales fall off of his eyes. And he got up and was baptized. Now, I, 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 it's one thing I can do is read. I don't see that well, but I can read. And it says that he put his hands on him, the scales fell off, he received the sight, and he arose and was baptized. I don't see anywhere in there where Ananias told him that that's what he had to do. Why would Paul know that this is what he needed to do? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to charge you for this one. Paul. In persecuting Christians, Davies, that see the whole bunch of baptism. That's how he got them. When they would collect down at the Jordan River and all that, he says, oh, that's my next target. He'd go to the chief priest, get a one, say, yeah, let me get them. You know, and they're going to have a baptism there and because they, they baptized. That's how I know they are of the way. That's how I know that they are Christians. That's how I know that they are disciples. Mm. And let me tell you one thing. If you, if somebody is... To, 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 to catch your enemy, you got to observe it. And so one of the speculations is that Paul had seen baptism and heard it and all of that. And he knew one thing. He was somebody new. He had been transformed. And now he must identify with the very people that he hated. Because that's what ultimately baptism is. Baptism is identification. It is an outward demonstration of what has already occurred on the inside. And we heard that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, saying he got up and he was baptized. Take us out, 1920. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway. He preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. <laughs> uh, I got my sight back. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But guess what? I need some food. It's been three days. He's weak. God not only cares about your spiritual well-being, he cares about your nourishment also. And so after he was strengthened, after he received food, he was strengthened. He spent time with the people now that he was a part of. He didn't go. Tell me he going to start his own church. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Y'all, y'all, that one, that one ran right past him. See, because, I, I, and the only reason I throw that in there, uh, Sister Vanessa, is because of the last verse. Because we find some folk that because this was Paul's experience, 
that it's got to be their experience. Just because you get saved does not mean that you're called to preach. Hear me, hear me. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you don't have ministry to do, but that name may not be it. Notice that in verse 19, he spent days, he spent days with the disciples at Damascus in a church, understanding what's happening with the other, wherever disciples are, it's the church. And straightway, he preached Christ in a synagogue. How is it that Paul, who's been a spiritual thug, who's persecuted Christians, can now talk about he's preaching in the synagogue? See, most folks, y'all got to understand, there's, there's another reading. When, when they start talking about Ananias, uh, uh, and, and uh, I think it was Barnabas, had, had to... Uh, uh, take him around and introduce him to the disciples because these people were scared of him. You don't let anybody who just come out the street, thug murderer, come into your church. We 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 do that now. <laughs> but you would be scared of these people. And so they had to be introduced. But they said straight away. And you know why? That's because power met potential. Paul knew all the ordinances. He knew scripture. He was a Pharisee. He knew the word. He just didn't know the God of that word. And mm -hmm. now he knows the God of that word. So he's just got to tell what he knows. There are many of us have been prepared in our past lives for the lives we're doing right now. You, you, you got that degree, Sister Callis. You got those uh, uh, teaching skills so that you could teach and share. Many of us acquired those skills long before we got saved. Amen. So that when we get saved, we can start doing. Ain't no need to wait. You don't waste a whole bunch of time anyway. Because <laughs> if you if, if you if you didn't receive salvation the day you were born, you don't waste the time. And that's one of the big regrets of any Christian life. You can say, "I wish I'd have got saved earlier." Mm -hmm. But straight away he went and preached. But not only did he preach. He preached that Jesus, the Christ, is the Son of God. But, but I, I saw you, Michelle. I saw you. I, I saw you at the corner of my eye. Let me show you something. Notice that when a lot of folk get saved, their ministry becomes about them and what God has done experientially in their lives. But the most important thing is not that God is a healer, because that's what Paul, you would have thought that would have been one of his first sermons, Sister Samuels, wouldn't you think? Oh, this is how God delivered me, and this is how God uh, uh, saved me, and this is how God healed me, but not when his first sermon. He did exactly what God called him to do. God says, you will be a voice to the Gentiles and to the Jews, and to all the kings and rulers of the earth. And the way to start a sermon is, Jesus, Jesus Christos, is the Son of God. 
He lived. He died. And he got up out of the grave to demonstrate that he is the son of God. So that's what he preached. But it is amazing how God takes an ordinary disciple, gives him power, and puts him together with a man who had the potential to one day write most of the New Testament and carry the good news of the gospel to the entire world. Saul, who's now named Paul. Oh, what a mighty, awesome, and healing God we serve. See you guys in church. See you next week.